Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan discuss the Twins' new signings as well as how spring training is fared thus far. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins make probably, probably, Dan, their last pitcher signing of the 2022 offseason. Here comes Chris Archer. Dan, do you know that name? I remember that name well, David. They're, the Twins talked about trading for him a few years ago, and I feel like he's been very disappointing to the teams that signed him. So this this is right on par, I think, for the Twins signings, right? Yes, we will definitely get into the Archer stuff. We have some other spring training notes, uh, a little bit of roster because construction discussion and then dan we will have to circle back as my brother has offered a rebuttal to your arguments regarding his perspectives on the new extra innings rules well i'll i'll rebut his rebuttal is that how that works how does, <laughs> I think so. how does that work I don't, you get two minutes for rebuttal there you go it's anyway, like the, it's yeah. good old debate good old-fashioned good old, yeah, we should yeah. have you both on and just just hammer away at each well other he's here, he's an awfully gentle person i'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure I could match his gentility on a topic with such heft <laughs> as the extra the crowd over. Rules. Yeah, is what you're telling he would me, exactly. So. I, I he would be uh, he would be the Mark Antony to my Caesar. I think in that situation. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into this Chris Archer trade. The deal. It's a one-year deal. Three point five million. This is what I love, though, Dan. So the front office not shying away from interesting structure of deals, as shown with the Correa signing. Mm-hmm. This deal with Archer. Again, one year, $3.5 million. Dan, did you see how much he can get above that with performance boosts? He can make up to $9.5 million. How are they getting away with this? Because I feel like <laughs> the players' union probably doesn't want this kind of deal, right? You wouldn't think so, but for a guy like Archer who's coming off a few, let's be honest, real bad seasons due to injury and just ineffectiveness, it's probably a great deal for him. Oh, that's the thing. I guess in that sense, it is good for players. It's just, it's not those guaranteed deals that we're so used to seeing now that are worth, you know, millions and millions over years and years. But I, I do think maybe to counter my own point, it's it's the, the big signings that get the most press. Yeah, 100%. So the boosters are basically for games started or outings with nine or more outs recorded, which my goodness, Dan, if he's not getting to nine outs, this is, this is going to be seen as a pretty terrible sign. He'd be the shoemaker of this season in that situation, right? Or the J-Hap, you know, depending maybe the who J-Hap. you talk to. So, those guys at least eight some innings i don't know nine outs doesn't count uh as inning eating i don't think <laughs> um no but i will say about this signing if you go on twitter you're gonna find a lot of people who are negative about this because it's all oh, the twins are just taking a flyer on a guy well yeah they are but have you looked at what's left for free agent pitchers he's near the top of what is the bottom of the barrel so i don't yeah. know how you get to the top of the bottom but that's where archer is i look at his stats though david and you know he hasn't really had a great year in about nine Eight, seven? I mean, like, it's been a long time. When he was in his early 20s, he was in his prime. He's not been great the last couple years. No, it's been rough. And it's hard because anytime you're looking at statistics, especially for a pitcher, data is everything, Dan, regardless of of what position you're looking at. But specifically with pitchers, everybody cares about the ground ball rate and the fastball rate versus his other pitches. But man, when you only have last year, he only pitched 19.1 innings, Dan. 
He's well-rested, David. <laughs> well, I do think that this does give him an opportunity to bounce back. Again, last season is terrible. So if we look at the last season where he had at least some numbers, so he pitched 119 innings in 2019 for the Pirates. This was a bad season, though, Dan. 5.19 ERA. He had 23 game starts. Again, 119 innings pitched. Still, it wasn't good. <laughs> but to be honest... If we were looking at this guy and he had a 5.2 ERA, it's not that much worse than what the Twins have been working with the past couple seasons. I mean, if he's here, the Dan. fifth starter here, you know, what what do they have to lose here? I, I, I don't mind it. Yeah, I think you're right. It's a guy who could bounce back. But, but gosh, I mean, look at those numbers. I mean, his the last year he had a sub four ERA was 2015 when he was an all-star. He was also fifth in the Cy Young Award voting. That's a long time from a prime. I'm not expecting much out of this. Are you? I don't know, but my goodness, if he could have a sub-5 ERA, I think that's that's enough. I do. I, I think that's enough for what the Twins need him for. It makes me think of guys like Josh Winder, who have had a pretty good spring. You, you wonder, when is a guy like that going to come up? Well, as soon as Archer proves that he doesn't have it in him, Dan. I guess so, but even last season, like the Twins stuck with Jay Happ and, and Shoemaker for quite some time. I mean, Shoemaker Longer lasted a couple months, right? Yes. So you would think that the Archer experiment, um, if the Twins are not playing well, I guess... Well, I don't know if they're playing poorly. Does that actually keep him around longer? Probably. Well, I mean, because you need to put somebody out there, but and you don't want to impact, depending on the service time discussions with the new CBA agreement, it kind of comes down to which guys can you bring up without having to burn through their service time, right? And that would that would fit with the way that this management likes to put together teams where it's all about the now and we'll worry about the future later, but we're trying not to get too committed to the future. I think that that's, that is their plan. Yeah, so this will round out their rotation, Dan, just to remind folks. So we have Gray, Bundy, Ryan, Ober, and now Archer. Does he just fill out that fifth spot or where do you put him in that lineup? I think that's probably where I put him just in terms of his recent work. I mean, because all of those other guys, maybe the exception being Bundy, the last year they pitched better than Archer did. I actually slot him in third, depending on how his pitching program progressed this offseason as he was waiting for a deal. So I have it as Gray, Bundy, Archer, Ryan, and then Ober. That's some gray area at the top of the at the top of the rotation there. Oh, wow. See, oh, here we go. The, the great puns begin. I'm embarrassed for the pun, and I'm embarrassed for how long it took me to you know. get it. So real quick, folks, just so you understand. So I, I use fill cell uh, with different colors very aggressively on these spreadsheets. So gray is a color on the on the roster construction sheet. So Dan making a gray comment, I... Oh, Dan. I just made, I actually just changed on the spreadsheet to gray, but now it throws off the system because now he looks like a non-roster invite. So <laughs> yes, I'm going to undo does. that and we'll put him Please back in do. green. And, <sighs> but it's good, right? It's good not to have this question. And it's funny because as we're recording this, the signing happened like three hours ago. So we're, this was a, a big topic of conversation, Dan, and now it kind of it kind of took care of itself. Well, we had nothing more to talk about, David. So I think uh, we can <laughs> wrap it up here, I guess. That was the episode. Yeah. No, so we need we, to go. Well, do you have more to say on Chris Archer? No, 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 I don't. But I do want to, I, I just need to get this off my chest, Dan. So there is a number correction. I misunderstood what was happening. What's actually happening Correa is going to be wearing number four, which was Royce Lewis number. And so now Lewis will be wearing 23. So I so got you had that I flipped said, around. Correct. I had that Correa would be wearing 23, but actually that's what Lewis is going to be wearing instead of four, which is what Correa will be wearing. Correa, the other thing that Correa did when he arrived, other than put on a jersey, is he talked the big talk. He talked about building a championship culture. What does that mean? <laughs> 
especially for a guy who is likely to only be here for one year. Yeah. It really, it shouldn't have bugged me as much as it did because you, he has to say that, right? Like, what's of he course. supposed to say? Yeah, I'm just hoping to have a big year here. I don't really care what we do. Mm-hmm. But see, I guess maybe I should take that back. That's not exactly what I mean, right? I don't think that Correa is like, oh man, I don't really care what happens to this team. Because ask any professional athlete, would you like to win a championship or not? Like, of course, they're going to want to win a championship. However, this big talk about making a championship culture over his time here and it being a long-term deal, well, only if the Twins are going to shell up $500 million next year on a 30-year deal for him. Is there an element of that that's a little condescending to you? Surely there are players on this team, and I know we can make our jokes how the Twins haven't won, you know, playoff games in our lifetimes, seemingly. But, like, they are a good team. Like, they've been a good team. The last, they, Obviously, last year wasn't great, but they're, they've been more often a playoff yeah. team the last few years than they haven't been. Correct. And, like, granted, their competition in the Central is probably going to be a bit more fierce this year. I mean, the Tigers weren't quiet this offseason by any stretch. And so, really, you do have to look out for those Tigers on top of, obviously— the favorite White Sox to win the division. Well, any other any other trades acquisitions here? Um, the only other thing guys? to note is Garza Jr., who who was on the mound for the Twins a little bit last season, did get claimed by the Red Sox, so he is no longer an option as a reliever for the Twins. And then there were a couple other roster moves, but nothing that was going to surprise anybody. So just guys moving to the minors or off the 40-man. The, the only real surprise was Thorpe was outright at a AAA, and he was not claimed by anyone in order to make room for Archer. So that's a little bit of a sad day for Thorpe, I guess. We had such high hopes for Lewis Thorpe over the years as a lefty mm-hmm. with some fire, and he just hasn't panned out. So Yeah, well, speaking of, of guys who we thought were going to be starters, Dan, looks like Duran, who's been a a touted prospect for the twins looks like they may move him to the bullpen in order that he may be effective this season well when you can throw 100 miles an hour i just think your spot is probably better in the bullpen because how can how many starters can really do that over the long haul of even a game i don't know exactly the ins and outs of how it works when you push a guy into that bullpen role how much effort does it take to try and revert him back into the starting role Mm -hmm. but i don't know how much i can i'd like a team doing that anyway right no the idea of putting him into a bullpen role knowing that you want him to come back as a starter later yeah i think once you're a bullpen guy you're kind of a bullpen guy right like that yeah people don't come back from that and you remember that was he's the guy that the twins got back from the eduardo escobar deal in 2018 yeah that that was an all-star eduardo escobar so gotta think they'd rather have escobar than a guy who's but maybe we'll see this is kind of the year we'll get to see whether that trade really worked out or not yeah the other note it seems unlikely that Miranda is going to break camp with the club. I think it's possible, but you know they're going to want to get him at bats every day, and he will not get that at the major league level. No, because there's a crowd, there's a crowd in the infield that I don't quite Correct. understand how they're going to settle. So I want to see him do a little bit more at, at AAA. But I have other questions about the other guys, like Brent Rooker, Trevor Larnock, Nick Gordon. I mean, who, where are they going to put these guys, and how are they going to fit them all together under this roster? Hilberto Celestino, like, has he got a spot potentially still on this lineup? Yeah. That's the question, right? Because really, now that the rotation is filled out, there's really two question marks. There's three bench spots remaining as far as position players are concerned, and then there's likely five reliever spots. Who gets those spots, Dan? I don't honestly know. I don't know what way I'm leaning here. I don't know if you... Let's get into that a little bit here. Who right now do you have as your as your bench position players? I do like Larnock. I like having him in there, and he's had a pretty good spring camp. I think it's Godoy. Because I think they, why else would you bring him in? He's a left-handed catcher. And then, you know, last time, David, we talked about Jake Cave. And I don't know anymore. If he's a non-roster invite, I'm just not sure that they, that seems like you're kind of giving up on the man, aren't you? I don't know. Because nobody else signed him. Nobody else signed him, Dan. So it's not like you got a lot of suitors knocking on Jake Cave's door here. (laughs) 
I don't know. I don't want Jake Cave on this roster. I don't know that I want Tim Beckham on this roster either, but there he is. Well, and Kyle Garlic. Don't forget about the uh, yeah, the Italian I've kind of himself. forgotten about Kyle Garlic. I think. Um, I don't know who would you pick of those position guys? I think you're right. I think it's Larnick. I think it's Godoy, and then probably Celestino because you need to have a good outfield option who can play center field if Buxton goes down. I think they keep Gordon, and I think they let Celestino play a little bit more in center, and then when inevitably they need Celestino to play outfield because Nick Gordon hasn't done very well there for, and I hope he does, but I think you know in, invariably they're probably going to want a true center fielder. I think then that's when we see Celestino come up when maybe okay, somebody so else then- is hurt. So then you have on your bench then Gordon, Larnick, and Godoy. That's what I with, would do. I have Sanchez on the bench currently, but that's just, sure. that was just the first thing I penciled in. So mm-hmm. I would agree. So I think, would you say Celestino I, still, even I after still my think, very good point about... No, you made a fair point here, but I think if they bring Celestino, I think Larnick stays in the minors and Gordon is probably up. Okay, so and then we have the rotation locks. So then it's the relievers, Dan. And again, reliever locks, unfortunately, at this point, there's only five of them as far as I can tell. So you have Rogers, Thielbar, Smith, Duffy, and Alcala. I, it's so hard to make these predictions out of camp because if a guy looks good in camp, it might be because he's doing one thing. I don't know. Like, it's very hard to read... In the, in the same way with that we can't really read the standings in Grapefruit League ball, what are we well, supposed to do? Well, thank goodness for the twins' sake. <laughs> well, I know, but like, what are we supposed to do with, with stats? And I realize I'm going to make a stats point here and after a little bit, but I I just question that. I, I'm going to trust Rocco and his coach's decisions here on what to do with these starting pitchers and these relief pitchers, because I just have no idea. Yeah, I think well, again, it needs to be noted that rosters start at 28 at the beginning of the season, and it's likely, I would think, the reason why I only put four bench spots is because the Twins likely want to carry 10 relievers, would be my thought. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that, and they give a fifth bench spot? That seems ridiculous. No, I think that they go as many relievers as possible, because that's what they got to figure out. they got to figure yeah. out who can pitch in the major leagues here. Yeah, and there's no limit to the number of pitchers for the start of the season. Well, good for them. I bet we see some Griffin Jacks then, too. What the heck? Let's go uh, with maybe. some... Some Jackson Ober combos again. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yes, but I, I'm thinking if I gut feeling right now, Stashak, Romero, Cotton, and Jacks are probably for sure four that are going to break with the club. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. And I'm still waiting for my Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego parallel with, <laughs> with Stashak. So where's the Abednego relief pitcher out there? I'm sure they can find one. Somebody's got to have that name. Do you get worried looking at this lineup, Dan, the sort of lack of depth, specifically at center field and shortstop? That's not my primary worry with this team right now, David. I think depth depth in the positions is not the concern. I just have so much more concerned about the relievers. I mean, are you concerned? about? Because I thought I braised this last week and then you kind of dismissed it. Like there were no other questions about position players. <laughs> Uh, no, now you're saying it. Now you're saying the thing no, that I said last week. I don't think so. I'll have to go listen back, but that doesn't sound like me, That Dan. sounds like what it was. All right, go ahead. Go <laughs> ahead with your point. <laughs> but it worries me about shortstop. Let's say Korea goes down. Then you have, really, you can either shift Polanco over. You have Urshela could play some shortstop. And you have Arise, who, again, that'd be the last option probably. Gordon, maybe a little bit. I just worry a little bit what happens to the makeup of the infield if a shortstop goes down. It, well, specifically if Korea goes down. They don't have a backup plan until Royce Lewis is healthy. So I, I think Royce Lewis is the backup plan, and they hope that they don't need him this season. Yeah, fingers crossed. Well, Oof. I don't know how much else we can say about the roster, Dan. At this point, it's all speculation, and how many times have we been proven wrong? Many. And, you know, we'll find out next week when they actually have to start playing baseball games for real. A quick thing here. I don't know if you saw this article, Dan, on the different tiers of teams in the MLB this season. Mm-hmm. I felt it was about right with the Twins. Don't you? Oh, no. I No. Yeah, I think that's about right. All right, so I'm going to explain it because you brought it up. So they had eight tiers. They had, and I think our listeners would probably guess who's in the top tier, and it's just the Dodgers by themselves. 
Then there's a long second tier with uh, the trash cans, the Blue Jays, the Braves, the Mets, the Rays, and the White Sox, and the Yankees. That's a big tier. Then the third tier is the Brewers, the Padres, the Phillies, and the Red Sox. I question that with Tatis not playing for a few months at least. And then the fourth tier is the Giants by themselves. And then the Angels, Cardinals, Twins. Like, I, you don't think that's where the Twins belong? I think that they're at the 3.5 tier. They, you can't so, do that. Then that's well, the fourth but I think they tier. Sh- yes, they should be at least at the fourth tier then. So Brewers, Padres, Phillies, Red Sox, then Giants and Twins. Because I put the Twins over the Cardinals and the Angels, no problem. See, I don't. I thought that their rationale was good. This this Twins team won 73 games last year, David. And so you're, but and you're the telling me that was, was like right around 500. But do you think, do you truly think that last season was a good, a good predictor for what this season will be? In the sense that are they going to win 20 more games than last year with this roster? Uh, that's a huge ask at this point because it's not. Well, they're not going to make the postseason if they don't, Dan. I know, so that's I don't think they're going to make the postseason right now. Like I don't see this wow. being a postseason team. A little foreshadowing, folks, for our season prediction <laughs> show. I guess. Do you you really think they're a postseason team? I just don't see it. I think I when think I look at the rest be. of the AL, I I mean, my gut says no, but my my heart says yes. I mean, I would even put the Mariners up there with the Twins in that sense. I see them being a wild card team from the Central Division. Well, that's because there's like twelve wild cards now. I mean, like well, everybody's yes, a no, wild card. That's true. It's like an open. That's show. interesting. You don't think they're going to make the postseason? Not right now. I, I without Dan, you do a podcast about the Twins. It doesn't <laughs> mean I'm a homer. <laughs> it means that I enjoy watching Twins baseball. Oh man! But maybe guess, my my glasses uh, right now are so wild green colored right now that maybe maybe that'll change. You know, in a, once I start watching some actual baseball games with Byron Buxton out there, I do love him. Let's keep moving, Dan. <laughs> I, I have one other thing. David to talk about with this roster before we move on so I think for the first time because obviously Nelson Cruz is on the team the last couple years I think this is the first time maybe ever David that I'm older than every twins player on the roster right now Joe Smith sorry Dan the reliever who's played for (laughs) the journeyman reliever (laughs) who's going for what like two million appearances or something like that I think it's a thousand oh my gosh he was born about three months after I was And that makes me feel so old. Like, David, like growing up, these twins were people that I could aspire to be like. You know, like even though I had very little athletic ability, like I could kind of turn a double play in fifth grade. I was Carlos Correa on my team in that Certainly. Sense. And now I, those days are behind me. Like I have to admit that. Um, well, Dan, I'm I'm sorry for your loss. I don't Thank know what you. else to say. Like, Because really, you still have that hope, right? Like you can look to yep. Joe Smith and say, someday... I can still be on that mound. <laughs> yeah, like that's it's it's like the rookie, right? The Dennis Quaid film. Like you yeah. can still do that. Like I can't look at that and say I'm 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 not Dennis Quaid. Maybe Dan, you just need to shift your aspirations to no longer being the guy on the mound, and maybe you're the guy on the tee box. You know, maybe. golf is one of those sports that everybody's pretty convinced that they could do it eventually. But I'm really bad at golf, David. <laughs> like I don't know. I don't pickle think ball? there's hope. Do you play a lot of pickleball, Dan? I could pickleball, right? Yeah, Is that did they even say that right? Maybe spike ball. Maybe four square, right? Can four I still square. play four square? I love four square. I think that's you? dominated by the by the fourth to sixth grade girls. Dan. I tell you, but what a game! All right, let's move on here to our yeah. to other notes. I had one other. Well, I have one spring training note that I want to bring up um, yep. after I have slammed the usefulness of of spring statistics. Miguel Sano, as of earlier today, had. 18 at bats do you want to guess how many strikeouts he had david well I, i've i've seen the stats so oh, okay. I, feel, I feel bad guessing well he has 10 and 18 and i don't i'm worried about this aren't you worried about this the optimism that i once held for miguel sano dan has been uh well tarnished when for, did you for, hold that optimism 
2017 maybe. so like when chris archer last had a a, a decent year <laughs> a decent like is that season. is that the optimism we're basing <laughs> that this sounds in? that sounds about right yeah okay if miguel sano is playing well this team is being competitive i don't think he's the linchpin but i think he's probably a guy who feeds off other success he didn't do anything like step on a nail in his chicken coop or anything did he this off no season? so i'm guessing we'll get a text alert pretty quick here about how he a railing fell broken in his hotel and he, Man, he broke his left guy. arm so i hope he, i obviously we hope nothing bad happens to miguel but you're right this is kind of when the thing happens and yeah. then he's out until june and then he's not with it and it's just anyway so i had that thought yeah and truly honestly if sano proves himself to be not improved on what he was last season it's a pretty easy switch for the Twins to make because they have a lot of corner outfield options and you just move Kirloff to first base. No problem. That's true, actually. I would love to see Snow play well, but he really has been part of this Twins team. He has been a relevant part of a discussion. If we were doing a podcast 10 years ago, David, we would have been talking about Miguel Snow then. Yeah, as, a, as an up and coming prospect. Totally. That's what I mean. Like he's been the hope he's been tied to Byron Buxton for a decade. And uh, I don't think we, we're going to see a seven year, $100 million deal coming anytime soon for Miguel Sano. Uh, only if somebody got hit in the head first, Dan. <laughs> All right. Well, David, we have a couple other things to talk about with with the rule discussions here. Let's start with the small one about the article you sent me. And Dan, I got to be honest with you. I read it. I just don't care. You don't care? <laughs> David. No, not even is, a little this bit. This is huge. All right. So <laughs> I will talk about it. So Jason Stark, who, let me tell you, if there's one baseball writer who uses exclamation points, it's it's Jason Stark. <laughs> And he uses them too He is very good, though. He is very... Like like I said, I read the article. He's great. I love a lot of what he writes. But this article just didn't do it for me. It was the topic, not the prose. Okay. I'm going to try to explain the the graph that he had in there. The chart that I didn't realize. So, uh, listeners, if you can picture a baseball diamond, and you can picture, like, graphing it out on a piece of graph paper. So, as it is now... Third and first base are kind of in the corners of the of the diamond, right? Or the square, technically, right? Are you with me, David? Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, so then as those points go up towards second base, they meet, but they meet at the middle of the base, right? It's not that the base nestles into that corner. Like, this part alone didn't blow your mind? No. I, no? I mean, yeah, I didn't know it. I won't pretend like I knew that, but, I, but I'm but i not going to pretend like okay, I care. But no. I think this is more significant because then we were talking a couple episodes about how, you know, oh, they're making the bases bigger and we didn't care. Well, this is part of the reason was, okay, so then, but what they're going to do in the minors in the second half of the season is they're going to move the base down so it actually fits into the corner of the square. Yes, well, which will make everybody who watches the logo on their DVD players hit the exact but, corner but hold on, on the TV screen. <laughs> but this is why. Because because now in all those moments, you know when, when somebody tries to steal second and then we see those replays and there's a hand that's sliding in and it just doesn't quite touch the base before the, the fielder swipes his hand across the base stealer's arm? You remember these moments, David? Yeah, I, I've seen. They're going to be safe. Yes, They're going to be safe every time now because <laughs> because of that, and that's so interesting. Like, I really think we're going to see more stolen bases now. Yeah, because of no, that I extra that you. foot. It's like a foot closer yeah, now to first. I base. agree with you, and especially with you know watching those stopwatches and pitchers' time to home is going to matter a little bit more. Certainly, this is this is this is huge. David, huge news. And this has been swept under the rug of the collective bargaining agreement, changing all these other rules just on the fly. And baseball is just hoping we're not going to notice, David. What? But I'm noticing. What? What? <laughs> I'm just confused why they would care if we notice or not so much, Dan. Because this... I Just just, <sighs> a word, just so I understand your perspective, you think baseball is trying to pull a fast one on us by moving second base. Quite literally. 
pull a fast one <laughs> because they're now trying to get more stolen bases into the game and they didn't tell us until like <laughs> like a source <laughs> leaked it to jason stark a so- <laughs> I, I just think this is big news and you're no. poo-pooing it the no, inches not... matter in baseball, yes, David. Yes, it does. It's it certainly does, Dan. I'm not denying that this could have a slight impact on the game. I'm a little bit less conspiratorial than you are, I guess, in in the major league attempt to sabotage catcher's ability to throw runners out at second, though. <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't use the S word, but like I think I think there's a conspiracy here. They're they're conspiring to conspire, right? Like the the great <laughs> line from traffic i think that that's what's happening david okay well moving do you have any other th- <laughs> no i don't on this, but i'm Tim. waiting for you're gonna have more thoughts on this in a couple months i know i it. i know it. okay sure right. i will i'll All put right. it in my we gotta move on here. we gotta i'm stalling here a little bit i'm bearing yes. the lead but you got to talk yes. about this next one okay so folks if you if you tuned in last episode we were at that point made aware that the new cba allows for a runner to start on second base at the beginning of extra innings so the extra innings rule that we saw in effect last season that we all hated has returned my brother again not a ball guy had made the suggestion that we instead of putting a runner on second we lower the amount of balls it takes to draw a walk from four to three I thought this was an interesting idea, and I thought, hey, I'll bring it up on the podcast. Dan Thompson had a meltdown explaining (laughs) how this was the worst suggestion in the history of sports and how instead we should remove fielders from the field and how a runner on second is far more natural. And I personally was a bit surprised. I thought Dan would take a little bit more reasoned approach (laughs) to my brother's uh, discussion. The reason I keep saying my brother is because my brother's name is Dan also. So we're going to stick with brother just for uh, the, the ease of the listener's experience here. But my brother, not a ball guy. However... diligent very loyal listeners to podcast he took a bit of offense at dan thompson's response and he offered a few rebuttals to your arguments dan that i think it's important that we give proper time to my gosh okay first of all before we get to his rebuttal of my comment of his my initial rebuttal to him i didn't like i was not given any notice about this drastic change he was proposing so i just i was coming up with things off the top of my head but i didn't quite grasp like the seriousness with which he was presenting it So Dan's first point of contention was that lowering the ball count to three takes away an entire strategy. My brother's response was, doesn't putting a runner on second also take away an entire strategy? He says, I'm guessing you're going to pitch the same batter significantly differently if there's a runner in scoring position. Also, putting a runner on second forces a pitcher to adjust his mindset as well as how he throws the ball, such as out of the stretch as opposed to as opposed to a full windup. All right, continue. Continue. Let's give him his full floor here. Oh, no, 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 no. I want you to, I want you to, want hear me to re- response that one? to that one. Yeah, please. Okay, so here's what I would say. If you're going to lower the ball count to three, you should also lower the strike count to two. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Why not? Because I think that you need to give a little bit of leeway for foul balls. No, you could just... Well, I would say you can keep fouling balls off at that point. Because this is this was No, proposed. no, I, I agree. But it, you have more leeway going from three from four to three than you do from three to two, certainly. Because if you foul one pitch off, then you're you're in trouble there. So that the goal is not so much to speed up the game as to end the game, is what you're saying. No, no, no. It is to speed up the game, and it certainly will, because it's going to force the pitcher to, to throw strikes ah, more often than he would. I think it takes away more strategy 
to lower the ball count to three than it does to put a runner at second. A runner at second is like a normal thing that happens in baseball, right? Like a guy gets a leadoff double. Oh, there's a runner at second. Yeah. Like that's a okay. normal situation. What he's proposing is, is a radical change. To be fair, I would say that the only way it's more radical than a runner on second, this is your strongest argument, saying that it's a change to the base rules of baseball. That is the only argument that honestly I think holds any water, but I don't think, I think it's still less of a shift as far as game outcome than putting a runner on second. But anyway, that leads us into the second point real quick. <laughs> it does. So Dan's point was, it changes the balance of strikes and balls. And my brother wrote, yes, it does. That's the point. <laughs> that was one where I was scrambling. Like I didn't like, I feel like he just, he took the, I, I didn't have time to think that through. <laughs> Yes, this, I know. I know it changes the balance of balls as traits. This next point, definitely my favorite. All right. Dan Thompson said, he changes the ball count when he plays with his kids. <laughs> and my brother wrote, what I'm hearing is, yes, this is effective and produces the desired result. I know, but like, that is not the same as playing with my children. Like, sometimes I give them extra strikes. I don't give them like fewer balls, per se. <laughs> I, I extend at bats rather than shortening them with my children. They might be allowed to give me extra balls but we don't actually shorten we, we extend if anything we extend at bats rather okay. than shorten well, them when we i play. would argue that 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 even doesn't even belong in the discussion well, that we're talking again, about again that. i was i was bringing things up i was so my brother this is his last point it's a little bit more involved but i do want to read it just to give him his full due here dan thompson says that changing the ball count is more significant than putting a runner on second my brother writes hard disagree changing the count still forces the offense to be productive you still need to produce something with a runner on second. But like David said, a bunt in the sack fly gets it done. And my brother says, I obviously don't have st statistics, but I'd be willing to put some money on the fact that if you played 100 innings starting with a runner on second and 100 innings with a lowered ball count, more runs would be scored during the innings with a runner on second, making my idea less significant while still accomplishing what it sets out to do. So this is an interesting, I appreciate how you put this together. I'm interested in seeing how would this play out in a minor league system, right? This is what's so great about baseball having all these minor leagues is they can try these yeah. things out. I do think, though, still that changing the ball count is more significant than putting a runner in second because of what you just pointed out and made my point for me is that it is a fundamental change to the rules. It's not a situational change like putting a runner in second. It's artificial to put a runner at second, but the game proceeds in a normal manner. And I just think I think it's significant to lower the ball count. It is, but I still like it more than the runner on second. See, I, that's where you're wrong. All right, and then you should go. His one other argument he thought of yeah. was the drastic argument because I did I did appreciate this. He argues again. My brother is not a big sports guy, but he's much smarter than I. Okay, like I'll, absolutely. I'll oh yeah, I right met him. Just... He's a great guy. Very smart. <laughs> nobody will disagree with that. Certainly, if they've met us both. But so he's he's pretty thoughtful about things. Where I just talk. Right, gets me in all kinds of trouble. Speaking of, makes for Pope's a great podcast too. He he already told me that he has a couple of David Dumbs lined up. That he's already <laughs> he's got them in the barrel, which isn't good, Dan. We're on podcast number three, and he's already got David's Dumbs. Well, keep going because maybe you'll give him more. Well, no, this is my brother's point. Anyway, anyway, so my brother wrote, this is significantly less drastic than what other sports do. Can you imagine if baseball did what the NFL does? If the away team scores a run in the 10th, they automatically win. Or the NHL. We play an inning where we take away the shortstop, and if it's still tied, we do a home run derby to determine the winner. <laughs> I really like the hockey comparison there. Isn't that brilliant? Yes. Um, um, yes. And then he did write, in case you're curious, he wrote, <laughs> he wrote side note. 
The NFL should play a regular 15-minute period for overtime, but first downs are eight yards instead of 10. But that actually, again, is just the kind of change that he's talking about that I think is more significant. I don't mind the 15 minutes. It's changing the first down length. They'd have to change chains. There's all kinds of things that would be very difficult logistically. Yeah, that'd be real difficult because everybody knows how difficult it is to change the length of chains. But what would the TV do with the line? Can they move the yellow line? I don't know that that's possible. Yeah, it's not the 80s. There's not a guy with a highlighter marking it and then erasing it from the screen. I would still take my remove a fielder system. I think that that's more fun. So we can try these things out in the minor leagues and we'll see which one is faster. And he did write, I like Dan Thompson too, and he obviously knows baseball way better than I do, but I would love to see my idea tested somewhere to see the results and prove him wrong. That is very kind of him. And I, to be fair, I did. I tried to do some research on this, and the only thing I could find was that I think this was proposed to not make the full change that he's talking about, but to lower the balls and the strikes. That's where yeah. I got that idea um, to three and two. I think that was that was proposed just to speed up games. And that was a while ago. I don't think it ever actually went into practice. I'm all for I guess to sum up this argument, I am all for the way that baseball is trying to propose different ways and use its minor league system as a little bit of a testing ground, uh, because I think that is good for the sport to be able to change in those ways. I don't like the word evolve in that sense, but to try to make the game more attractive but there's also that purity piece that we have to balance like at what point is it not baseball anymore yeah if if that makes sense yeah so i mean again that's sort of the crux of the matter is are you willing to sacrifice what are sort of rules that are set in stone to eliminate a certain artificial nature of giving these ghost runners on second and again i would say back to my fundamental first argument was let's only add the runner to second after a couple innings have been played because I do think that saving pitchers' arms is better for baseball than playing 19-inning games and then having teams have to adjust for an entire week. And I know you disagree, so... I do, but it's okay. This has been a fun exercise regardless, and yes, clearly nobody is listening to this who can have any impact (laughs) on these sorts of decisions, but I am... I am quite thrilled that my brother put the effort in to respond uh, to your hostility last episode. I love it. I love it. And you keep calling it hostility. I was just reacting, David. That's just how I react. Apparently, it's hostile. I got to work on Um, that, I guess. It it was quite sarcastic and a bit condescending. I think that's probably what set him off of it. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brother Dan. I didn't mean to be condescending. I appreciate the thought. It was great. It was a great email. It was the best email I got that day. Well, I think, Dan, I don't have any other notes here. Should I send us out? You please do. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Min for the Win and find our Min for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available. And if you could leave us a rating, that'd be great. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!